Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want you to take your Bibles at this time and go to Psalms chapter 103, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. As we focused on one of the verses here from this chapter earlier, uh, during our communion time where he forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our disease. But we're going to put some verses together, uh, one through five. And I've titled this message, The God You Worship. And it opens up with worship. It opens up with praise and adoration to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, all his benefits. Why don't we just take a moment right now and just bless his name. Just open your mouth and offer the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. We bless you, Lord. We bless you with everything that is in us in this moment. We set our hearts on you. We set our minds on you. We set our focus on you. And we want to say thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives. Thank you that you are our provider. You are El Shaddai. You are our Redeemer, our Lord and King, and we bless you. Thank you that every good thing comes from our Father in heaven. And Lord, we take this moment to lift up the name of Jesus, that name that lifted us up and continues to lift us up, that name that heals and delivers and saves. And we bless you, Lord. Thank you for this time together, Lord, as we worship you and we set our hearts, Lord, to hear, to receive your word today. We set our minds to understand and our ears to hear what you want to say to us from your word, because your word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And now we're going to talk about the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I love these five verses. They're so rich with promise and benefits and praise and, and remembrances of our God. There are, of all the things that we could focus on, I want to hone in on three specific things about the God that you worship. Number one, you worship a God who heals. Now, I know we talked about forgiveness right before that, but I'm going to tie some things together in that thought. You worship a God who heals. Also, you worship a God who redeems. And thirdly, you worship a God who satisfies. So let's go back now in this chapter and let's look at verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease. Those things are put there together because... If it had not been for sin, disease never would have come to earth. If it had not been for Adam and Eve taking that fruit, and Adam's the one who gets the blame in, in the New Testament for it, by one man's sin, death came to all. And all of its ugly cousins, sickness, disease, calamities, all, pains, and all those kinds of things. So, because they're so directly correlated, I want us to um, go to a place in Scripture in Matthew chapter 15, and on our way there, I want to just give you a little story, a reminder of something that Jesus did in healing a man. He told a man that his sins were forgiven him. 
Now, that's an interesting thing because this man was paralyzed. All right. He he his friends had to help him get to Jesus. You remember the story. He had these four friends who carried him on a stretcher. The house that Jesus was teaching in was completely packed out. There was no room. So these guys would not be stopped. And uh, they made their way up on the rooftop and they broke through the tile and they lowered their friend down to Jesus in the front of everyone. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralyzed man, but the faith of his friends, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. Well, boy, that messed the whole religious world up. All those religious leaders that were there to watch, and they weren't really there to learn from Jesus. They were there to always catch, try to catch him in his words and, and find out what was wrong with, his, uh, with him and try to look for uh, reasons to accuse him for, of blasphemy and all kinds of things. But his works and the miracles he was doing was drawing the crowds and it was hard for them to deny it. And so here they hear him say, your son, your sins are forgiven you. And then they start murmuring among themselves, who does this man think thinks he is that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus says, why is it that you reason among yourselves what you're reasoning? Which is easier for me to say? Rise, take up your bed and walk or your sins are forgiven you, but that you may know that the Son of Man, that's me, Jesus, has the power to forgive sins. I say to this man, rise up and walk. And the man got up, completely paralyzed, from completely paralyzed to completely mobilized. Hallelujah. And he gets up and he, and he walks off healed. What can they say about that? Because Jesus puts a correlation between the forgiveness of sins and healing. Apparently, this man had somewhere along the way committed a sin that opened the door for this calamity to take place in his life. So what Jesus is saying is it's, it's one and the same. The fact that I'm healing him means that I'm forgiving him. And the fact that I'm forgiving him means that I'm healing him. Hallelujah. So he heals all of our disease. He forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our disease. And that's why I want to focus on the God who heals because the God who heals is also the God who forgives. Amen. He wouldn't heal you if he hadn't already forgiven you. Well, in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21, uh, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, I want you to listen to what she says to him. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Wow. The, the King James, I like the way the King James says this. It says, my daughter is grievously vexed of the devil. This girl is in bad shape and she needs help. She needs deliverance. And so her mother comes to the one who delivers. Interestingly enough, verse 23 says, and he answered her not a word. Wow, it's amazing. Listen to what she says to him, okay? You can sense the woman's desperation, right? She says to him, have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. So you know that she is desperate, so much so that a little later on, the disciples come to Jesus, send her away because she cries out after us. She was so desperate. She's, anybody, please. Look at verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Interestingly enough, we learn a couple of things about the ministry of Jesus here. All right. And that is this. First John chapter three, I believe it's verse eight that says, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. I mean, that, that's why he came. It says, for this purpose. Now, look at this. Here is a woman whose daughter is bound by the devil. 
you would think Jesus would say, that's my purpose, and, and fix it. But the problem was, the next thing he said, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She doesn't have the right to what I came to give. And Jesus' earth, earthly ministry, and I've talked to you about this, but it's so important that we understand this time, in, in this moment while Jesus was on the earth. Because, I mean, here's a woman who's desperate. You would think, you know, we're, we're looking at this on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? It's hard for us to understand Jesus not going to this little girl's rescue. But this is pre-cross, all right? This is while uh, the law of Moses is still in full force, and Jesus is teaching under the law of Moses. And Jesus came uh, specifically in his earthly ministry to the Jewish people. She wasn't a Jew. She was from Canaan. She was like you and I. Uh, she might as well be from McKinney. Um, so Jesus would have no audience with her. And think about all, it seems like she said all the right things too, right? Lord, have mercy on me. I mean, isn't he a God of mercy? Yes, he's a God of mercy. And she called him Lord. So here she's calling him God. She is recognizing his deity. Lord also means master, but it also means God. So she says, have mercy upon me, O God. So she recognizes that only God can give the mercy, and so she's asking him for it. And then she says, son of David, which means she also declares and recognizes his royalty, his royal right to the throne of David. He is of the lineage of David. So she calls that out. Not only are you Lord, but you're king. And Jesus didn't answer her. She's desperate. She seems to say the right kind of things, to greet him, to honor him in the right way, and yet... He answers her not a word. And then he makes it very clear why. I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus was on a mission, and he was, he was dead set on that mission. He said, I'm not doing anything unless the Father tells me to do it, and I don't say anything unless the Father tells me to say it. So he made his mission very clear again. Then she came. This lady is not going to stop. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Uh, wouldn't, those of you that have kids, you do anything to get your kid better. We, we don't ever want to see our children sick. I, that's one of the most helpless feelings that I had as a father when my kids were battling something like that, some kind of sickness or, or got hurt or something. I hated that. I wanted to do everything I could to get that remedied as quickly as possible. And this is no doubt in the heart of God, but it's not in the mission of God yet. And she said, now watch this. He, he answered verse 26 and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Wow, what a statement. So Jesus, what he just said to her is, it's not good that you get what the Jews get, what the children of Abraham get. It's not good. Now Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So if it's not good, then it's not good. If it's not good, then he's not going to do it because that's what he came to do. So how many people though, I wonder, I think about my own self in this moment. Try to put myself in her shoes. Where would I be in my pursuit of getting my daughter healed? What, would, would I right there kind of chalk it up as, well, okay, all right, you're not sent to me. I get that. And you said it's not good that I get it. I don't have a right to this. How many people would throw up their hands at this moment and say, well, you know, Lord's will be done. Uh, it's God's sovereign plan and I'm, God is in control. And, and say things, this is what people say that, because they don't know what else to say. <laughs> you know, they've just caught on to these kind of cliche phrases. But my family, this is of utmost importance that we get this. 
because something is at stake. Her daughter's life is at stake. Her daughter is severely demon-possessed. Jesus has already proven to her that her desperation is not what's going to move his finger to heal. It, 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 Jesus has already shown to her that she's on the outside, and, and so there's nothing that he can, he's going to do uh, outside of his mission. And then she comes and worships him. Interestingly enough, he keeps resisting her. You would think, oh, if you just worship the Lord, he'll give you anything. No, he just kept pushing back. It's not right that I give the children's bread to the little dogs. Whoa, this woman sees the opportunity and she seizes the opportunity. She monopolizes on this moment and she gets it. Like faith comes roaring to life in her. And instead of being offended, instead of walking away, instead of leaving in despair, instead of throwing her hands up saying, okay, all right, whatever, according to God's plan, there's nothing I can do to move God. No, she said, oh, true Lord. She comes right into agreement and she says, I am all you <laughs> said I am. I'm a dog. So you call me dog, that's what I am. And so she, he says, dog, she says, all right, yeah, I'll take that. You say I'm a dog, I'm a dog. Well, guess what? I'm your dog. Now you got to take care of me because the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What a statement of faith. What a moment. And Jesus, look how he responds here. Jesus answered and said there, verse 28, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease. I want you to think about this. This is God's part, the forgiver and the healer. Our part is to believe it. Desperation couldn't get it for her. Uh, worship and, and recognize, kneeling down before him, couldn't get it for her. It was faith that gave her access to the children's bread. See, because what Jesus saw here, when she acted in faith and she said, well, I'm going to get what the dogs get then. You call me a dog, the dogs at least get the crumbs. And if there's healing in that bread, there's healing in those crumbs. And that's all I need is just some crumbs so that my daughter can be set free. And Jesus, marvelous, woman, great is your faith. Be it to you as you desire. From, from in one second saying it's not good that you have this to be it to you as you desire. Now, Jesus is going to always do the right thing. She, in this moment, looked like Abraham to him because it was Abraham who against all hope, in hope believed. And he believed in the Lord his God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. And when she acted in faith, that put her in all of the rights of this covenant. Praise God. She gets what the children of Abraham get. You get what the children of Abraham get when you believe God. Believe that today. The God that you worship here today is a God who heals. Don't be dissuaded by your circumstances, by the symptoms in your own body. You be convinced of one thing. No, my God forgives and my God heals. There's nothing else he's going to offer you. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to turn his back. He is faithful to his promise. He is the one who heals you right now in this moment. Just de declare this with me. Father, thank you that you sent your word and you healed me and you delivered me from my destruction. And I am healed by the God who heals me in Jesus name. Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm 
I, that excites me a lot. I'm very excited to uh, just these thoughts, the, the bigness of our God and, and the goodness of our God. He is a God who heals. The next thought is you worship a God who redeems. The word says who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. When I was a kid, I used to love to hear my dad tell this story yeah, even up through the years as he was uh, pastoring through different churches. And uh, my dad uh, told lots of stories and still does. And um, I love to hear him tell stories. But one of my favorite stories was when we all lived in Dallas in the late 70s. And my dad was attending Christ for the Nations, the greatest Bible college on planet Earth. And uh, where I now teach, and it's a great institution. And dad worked on the railroad while he was a student at school to provide for us and, and to also pay his school bill. And, and so Christ for the Nation sits just a few miles south of downtown Dallas. So every day he would have to head toward downtown and uh, somewhere around the area there's a huge train yard where he would get on a train and, and uh, you know, run the rail line for however long, all night long. Most of the time he worked all night long and then went to school during the day. But on his way there... Um, he was taking in the Dallas skyline. Now you have to understand, he was just a country boy from southern Oklahoma. And uh, so being in a city like Dallas was mesmerizing to him. And, and, and he says, as I'm traveling up 35, I-35, heading north, and I'm taken by the cityscape and, and just in awe of these buildings of this, this concrete and this steel jutting up into the sky, all of a sudden I look in front of me and traffic is dead stopped. And he said, I had a, just a split second to look at my speedometer and I'm running 55, 60 miles an hour. There is no way that I have time to stop this car without a collision. So my dad says, I did what every man of faith does in a moment like that. I covered my eyes <laughs> and hit my brakes and hoped for the best. And he said, the car began to slide sideways, heading right into that stop traffic. And he cried out to Jesus to help him. That's all he had time to do. And he said the next thing he remembers, he feels a little bump. And when he opens his eyes, he's on an off-ramp somewhere, and he sees all that dead stop traffic on, on the I-35 to his left. Perfectly harmless. He's totally saved from this wreck. It's amazing. God is there in your moments to redeem you from destruction. Let me tell you what, kind, what this kind of redemption means. It's not just redemption from death hell in the grave, because praise God, the word destruction also means corruption. God wants all of you, spirit, soul, and body. So he's not going to let your body, should he tarry and we all grow old and die, he's not going to let our body stay there. That body's coming up and it's going to be filled with incorruption and immortality. Hallelujah. God's not going to leave anything dead that belongs to him. And, but it also means from certain calamities and disasters. He is here. He redeems. I like that it is a present tense. It's happening all the time. He has done it. And the, the has done, the finished work, is a work that is in force right now to those who will believe. Amen. To those who acknowledge him, those who remember his benefits, he redeems your life from destruction. That means that destruction and calamities and uh, uh, things, plagues, and all these kinds of things cannot be authored by your God. Amen. He's on your side to redeem you and to ransom you from everything that would try to destroy you. The thief has been rendered powerless. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came and un 
unleashed and unraveled the works of the devil. He disarmed him of every power to harm you. Hallelujah. So remember that and grab a hold of that today. Let's just thank him for this. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you have redeemed us from destruction. You know, I know that you can think of times in your life where you had close calls with possible death or, or, or you, you were knocking on death's door, whatever it may be. Take a moment to remember your Redeemer who brought you out of that and thank Him for it. Never forget that God is in those moments with you. And not only that, He has shown us that He's with us by giving His angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. And they're here at your service, at your beck and call. And that's why it's important for you to understand that they are servants for us. So station angels of God around you and your family and your loved ones, wherever you go, to know that they are with you. They'll keep you in all of your ways. Amen. These are God's provisions of redemption from destruction. Amen. What great benefits we have with this God who we worship. And then lastly, we worship a God who satisfies Amen. Let's back up now to Psalm chapter 103 and verse 5. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I like this verse. He satisfies your mouth. Now think about this, that your youth being renewed is connected by the good things in your mouth. But the good things that he satisfies you with. Well, what is that? Uh, first and foremost, it is his promise or his promises. God has given us his word, which is a living word. As I said earlier, I quoted uh, Proverbs chapter 4. It says, his words are life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh. So he satisfies your mouth with good things. You get the good word of God in your mouth. And guess what? It does something. It does something to you physically. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew, it says that that, that renews your youth. Uh, like the eagles, the, the word youth literally means your physical body. Hallelujah. And it repairs and restores and renews and rebuilds. Wow. Also, when we speak in tongues, we pray in the Holy Spirit. Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that we um, edify ourselves. We edify. One of the words for edify is the word repair or to rebuild. God has given us lots of ways, has satisfied our mouth with so many good things to say so that we can experience uh, renewal time and time again, not just spiritually and not just in our minds, but our physical bodies. The Word of God is medicine for all of you. Amen. For, for every bit of your tripart being. So grab a hold of that today because He satisfies. In other words, He fulfills all that is necessary for you to enjoy life and have an abundance of renewed life. Praise the Lord. You know, I was thinking about a couple other Bible characters before we close out today. Abraham, Abraham, who finally, you know, God changed his name and, and Abraham got the promise of God in his mouth, which is father of a multitude of nations. Well, in, when you read Romans chapter four, it says that the time that Abraham had Isaac, he's 100 years old, and it said, and he was as good as dead. All right. So Abraham is an old man at this time. But something happened as he became a man who was um, satisfying himself with that promise. He kept that that promise in his mouth and something started happening to him. His youth got reinvigorated. His youth was renewing. As a matter of fact, it got so renewed that he died at 175. At 100, the Bible says he was as good as dead. What, what happened? 
God satisfied his mouth with good things, and he was happy to speak those good things. And as he did, he seemed to get younger as he got older. And the Bible says he died at a good old age. As a matter of fact, after Sarah passed away, Abraham got remarried, had seven more kids. It's extraordinary, six more kids. It's amazing how just how uh, renewed his youth was. But his grandson, Jacob, and I love Jacob. Jacob's one of the great heroes of the Bible. Jacob didn't live as long as Abraham. Isaac lived to be 180, five years past his father. But Jacob was significantly um, shorter his lifespan. And I'm thinking uh, somewhere around 135, 140 when he passed away. Now, that's old to us, no doubt about it. I mean, these, this legacy of faith brought with it long life. But Jacob even told on himself, because when Joseph brought him to Egypt and Pharaoh talked to him, talked to Jacob and finally got to meet him, Jacob told him that basically in a nutshell, he had cut his own life short by his grief for Joseph. And when you read um, J- uh, Jacob's lament over Joseph and what he would say to his sons, and the things he would say that, that they made him an old man fast, you know, and that he is going to um, go to his grave grieving for his son Joseph. Uh, you can see by those things coming out of his mouth on a regular basis, it literally began to chop away at the potential of renewing his youth. I'm saying that that's true for every one of us. God, who has gifted us this life, and God, who has brought us into his kingdom by grace through faith, welcomes all of us to enjoy and experience the benefits that he brings to us. He heals us. This God who we worship is a God who heals us. He is a God who redeems us. He is a God who satisfies. Hallelujah. So I declare to you today, choose. Choose his way of life. Remember his benefits. Declare these things. Expect them. Believe for them. And don't let yourself, don't sell yourself short of anything less than what the God who worships, who you worship, I should say, offers you. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray, God, that this word will penetrate hearts and lives. I thank you right now, Lord, for just uh, hope rising in hearts, faith, Lord, being uh, reinvigorated, Lord, even for some of these who have, who have found themselves discouraged in their circumstances, Lord, uh, or maybe discouraged because things haven't changed. They've, they've kept their confession of faith, but Lord, the circumstantial evidence is, is not there. But Lord, we do not believe our God based on circumstantial evidence. We believe you because that's what you said. So I pray right now, Father, for strength in the name of Jesus, that your people would be built up on their most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power right now in Jesus' name. That, that, that is, is going forth. As this word is going forth, with it, there's healing. With it, there is life. With it, there is, uh, you satisfy us with the good things, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With this word, there is redemption from destruction in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we take this moment to remember your benefits, to accept these benefits, and to confess these benefits in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that life with you is grand. Life with you is bigger than just life itself. Lord, we thank you that life with you means we always live in the, uh, the potential of miracles and supernatural experiences with our God who is on our side. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. I want to encourage you this week to read 
these verses. Read Psalms chapter 103. Read it out loud. Get to know it and memorize it if possible. But every day this, this, this week, read Psalms chapter 105, especially verses 1 through 5, and make it personal. And just say, Lord, thank you. You're the God who heals me. You're the God who has forgiven me. You're the God who redeems my life from destruction. You're the God who satisfies my mouth with good things. Amen. Activate that word in your life. Hallelujah. Well, until next time, um, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.